It's Monday, October 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Halloween Eve, gentlemen. Hey, hey. It's upon us. It is upon us. I gotta go get some more candy. You finished that bag? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> the bag is gone. You know, we we got a bunch of news to get to, but let's let's start with that for a second because I think it was it a week ago or is it two weeks ago that you're like, I'm all set for Halloween. I yeah, bought a twenty right. pound bag of candy. I'm gonna go with two weeks ago because it just sounds better, even if it's not the truth. What are we down to? Single digits? Oh, I think we're just down to a handful of whoppers at this point. <laughs> like the whoppers are always the last to go, and so I mean. I would have probably called them out as maybe overrated a couple of weeks ago. Now, I mean, desperation after dinner, dessert, you know, whoppers aren't looking so bad. And you with your coffee, they're not too bad. No, no, yeah. not at all. Mac likes them. I mean, I, I, I go, I'll go with the whoppers. Yeah. You just bring them in here, just drop them on the table. No, I think they'll, 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 they've, they've found a home. They just need to stop by the store on the way, the way home after work today. All right, I'm, sh- I'm sure you can. I'm sure there is a store somewhere between here and your home that will sell you some candy on October 30th. We got, as I said, we got a bunch of things to get to, and we're going to start with the deal of the day, which is in the home building industry. Lennar is buying Cal Atlantic Group in a stock deal valued at 5.7 billion. Shares of Cal Atlantic up 23 percent this morning, and I think and. Obviously, a nice day for the people who at, at Cal Atlantic and any of their shareholders. I think the maybe the bigger thing is the fact that the resulting combination is now the largest home builder in the United States. Dr. Horton drops down to number two. You looked at this deal. What do you think, Jason? Well, I mean, initially from the from the very get go, what's the biggest advantage in this market, right? I mean, it's going to be scale. I mean, it's something where the bigger the company is, the more financial resources it has. It's obviously very capital intensive. You're building homes, and so this I think makes a lot of sense from from that perspective. Um, home builders are notoriously levered. They carry a lot of debt, and they don't have the luxury in most cases of pushing that debt out for long periods of time, like twenty years into the future. So. I I mean, for Cal Atlantic, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a smaller business, uh, albeit a successful one. But I, I think going forward, you know, there are a lot of challenges. I think on the the home builders front, and so I, I think consolidation in the space makes sense. I think this is a little bit of a defensive play on Lennar's part uh, to sort of shore up the balance sheet, get bigger, and and deal with what I think is going to be a challenging environment for home builders here in the coming decade. Yeah, one of the things that I've seen a lot of them gripe about is a labor shortage. So this won't necessarily address that, but like Jason said, yeah, scale huge for sourcing um, and also just managerial overhead. Um, but you, you still see new home new home permits, new home construction still well below pre-recession levels. Um, it, they have rebounded quite nicely, but you're looking at still about a third, almost a third less than what we had in 2006, 2007 on on a monthly basis. So. Not quite there yet, and cyclical industry. So it's tough to these these companies, like you said, you lever up, and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out. They're stuck with all this excess inventory. So I think they've been a little bit more cautious um, since 2007, 2008 to really ramp up inventory. And you've seen housing prices rise as a result. And Lennar didn't back up the Brinks truck for this deal because you look at Lennar's stock; it's only down about two percent today. No, and I think that. Uh the the beneficiary of this deal is more Cal Atlantic than Lennar. I mean, it's it it works in Lennar's favor, but I think Cal Atlantic. If you're looking at a sort of who needs this deal more, I think Cal Atlantic would probably say that they they are the better ones in taking it. Um, 
to me, I, again, I look at the home builders, and sort of Taylor made a, a good uh, observation there, and that they are very cyclical. I mean, you look through all that history; it's very, very uh, subject to anything from interest rates to unemployment and whatnot. So, if you look over the last decade, I mean, it's been very a very good time to be invested in home builders. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the stocks have done extremely well, and that makes a lot of sense. They're coming off of obviously a very low base in two thousand and eight, where Essentially, the bottom fell out for a lot of a lot of reasons. But when you look forward, and that's what we have to do as investors when it comes to the stock market. I mean, we start thinking about some of the challenges that are here for home buyers. I mean, everything from potential tax reform. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're kicking around this mortgage deduction thing, and it, it's you know right now it's very clear what the incentive there is as a homeowner. You you buy a home, you pay a mortgage, you pay interest, and then you can deduct that interest um, at the end of the year. If they change that in any in any way, and it makes it a little bit different, you know, you have to start assessing whether it makes more sense to get makes more sense to get a, a tax break or a credit or whatever. Uh, rates are going to start creeping back yes, up. Are, We've yeah. got a, a tremendous uh, young population that's coming to the market with a lot of debt. They're saddled now with a lot of student loan debt and, and you know other forms of debt. Buying a house is not easy. I think we had a lot of bad behavior in the, in the two thousand five, six, seven, eight era. I think that some of that bad behavior is going to be curbed with with new legislations and regulations. Not fully, but I think banks are going to be a little bit uh, more cautious going forward. And and I think that you know another interesting data point: first time home buyers typically make up around forty percent of all home buyers. That number is coming down now. It's like thirty five percent. Prices are high. It's more difficult for these folks to come up with a down payment. I think we we live in a more peripatetic. Workforce today than ever before. I mean, that's it, a fifty cent word. Well, I'm a fifty cent kind of guy, Chris. I mean, people can just pick up and go wherever they want, whenever they want. Yep. They they're not married to this geographic region um, if if they don't have to be. And so, if you have a job where you can work off site, we see a lot of people do that. Um, it changes the value the value there. I mean, you got to figure: is it more sensible to rent if I'm going to be in this area for a couple of years versus buy? Just a lot of responsibility and costs that come with being a homeowner. So I just I feel like we've hit this point where maybe there uh, are a, uh, there are more challenges ahead than perhaps opportunities. Maybe it's time to kind of look at these home builders and think uh, about making a potential short case for some or all of them. Well, yeah, and with the single family case, you see a lot of the urbanization is such a uh, trend right now where high rise apartments and condos and things and uh, these home builders aren't necessarily exposed to that so they're they're losing out on not only the younger generation but just even older folks that are moving into the city where the jobs are more cl- more likely to be these days Speaking of homes, uh, Jason, your friends at Ellie Mae reported on Friday. They did. How'd their earnings look? Yeah, you know, it wasn't bad. I think Ellie Mae is dealing with a very challenging environment in regard to their business because a lot of their success over the past couple of years has come due to the fact that rates were so low and everybody was refinancing their homes. And Ellie Mae provides that mortgage lending software for lenders all over the country, from small to large. And so, the quarter was good. I mean, they booked another 8,100 seats, which was right in line with their guidance of 8,000 to 10,000 seats per quarter. Uh, full year guidance, which last quarter they ratcheted down a little bit. They ratcheted up a little bit this quarter. That was partly due to an acquisition they made over the course of the of quarter. But origination volume, which is you know people going out there and getting those loans done, is down 18% year over year, and that's because that refi uh, river is sort of dried up. This is a very good business with a a great position in the market. I think the biggest question for investors, and the one that we're starting to kind of look at here, is as refinancing dries up, will purchase mortgages help 
sort of pick up for for some of the loss there. It, just logically speaking, probably won't. But the nice part about LA May is they have a subscription side of the business. They have you know a transaction side of the business, and they're getting in more and more um, lenders' offices. And that's the beauty of having that cloud software business. So I think. Maybe we're going to see some more challenges before it's all said and done. But a good business in a in a great position in their market, they have a little bit of pricing power they're able to exercise. And uh, so, generally speaking, all in all, we feel pretty good about it. We own a million dollar portfolio still, and uh, we've definitely got it on the radar for uh, adding to the position when the price looks right. From homes to beverages, Constellation Brands is a forty one billion dollar beverage company. They've got beer, wine, and spirits in their portfolio. And that makes this news to me all the more intriguing. <laughs> Constellation Brands has bought a 10% stake in Canopy Growth Corporation, which is the world's largest publicly traded cannabis company. They know. And <laughs> uh, so shares of uh, Canopy up around 12%. This is a is this a Canadian-based company? It is, yeah. They've got a phenomenal Ticker symbol on the Toronto Exchange. <laughs> Weed. Weed. W E E D on the Toronto Exchange. Good for them. Um, they, they, they locked that up as soon as they could. So, Rob Sands, who's the CEO at Constellation Brands, mm -hmm. uh, talked about this and uh, said a couple of things. One of which is that they are apparently looking to develop cannabis infused drinks. Yeah, that would seem to fall right in their line of expertise. Um, and they're they're not going to necessarily jump into the United States right away. They want it to be legal on all federal on federally uh, in the United States before they jump in here. But Canada, um, they're hoping to have it legal countrywide by July of next year. Um, of course, the provinces will have their own say in age age restrictions and distribution restrictions. But um, yeah, that's going to be a big market, and obviously, the beverage experts owning Corona and vodka, whiskey, and like you mentioned, some wine as well. Um, so interesting. I think this is the the most confirmation we've seen for a nascent industry like the cannabis industry um, to date for a public public investor. Um, we've had our eye on Canopy for a while, but it, the whole sector has been pretty volatile. But seeing this news come out over the weekend was was pretty exciting. Uh, certainly. You got a lot of expertise on distribution side from from Constellation, and that's going to be tough to navigate, I think, for a lot of these marijuana companies. So that, I think that will be one of the the strongest assets that, that Constellation is going to bring to this deal. And they have a warrants out there that could bring this stake up to twenty percent over the next few years. So uh, I definitely like this deal, especially when you consider millennial taste of for alcohol is kind of changing and the generation below millennials is drinking even less than them at that age so uh, you know it's a necessary step I think for for the alcohol industry to to take notice and, and they're the first ones to really do it I don't know I just <laughs> <laughs> the idea of uh, beer wine or spirits infused with cannabis uh, maybe I'm showing my age but that's not that's not of <laughs> well I, guess I don't so, think you know, that's the future I think I that's, that's the first step I think that's the first but step I mean here. is that is that what we're talking about beer wine or spirits infused with cannabis or a beverage infused yeah I think with cannabis? anything I don't think it's gonna be like oh okay bud light with you know extra THC I, I think it's like <laughs> sort of a Red Bull style drink yeah. right but instead of like Mucho caffeine, it's going to be THC. Am I correct? No, I think that there's going to be a blend. There, there probably will be some beers because there are some beer brewers out there, some of the, the micro brews that are um, using the flavor of cannabis without the THC in their beers. Um, but you could I could certainly see um, some alcoholic beverages, including marijuana in there. Okay. But um, yeah, I think for the most part, probably independent drinks 
outside of alcohol that because uh, cross pollination. I don't know. Yeah, you get a, you get a different buzz going on. Beer there before liquor, that. never right. sicker, or weed right. before a beer. And <laughs> yeah, she, uh, there's a whole bunch of. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I think this is a matter of when, not if, yeah. right? I mean, I think we're just at this point where it's becoming more and more. Socially acceptable, I think there are a number of medical reasons why we will see, you know, cannabis becoming just more, more consumed here yeah. over the course of the next decade and beyond. And we we hear about it anywhere from Constellation to I mean, you see the same thing with Boston beer. I mean, they're talking about millennials. Not only is their taste for alcohol changing and what kind of alcoholic drinks they like, but their taste for just different options out there. And so I think. Uh, you know, they refer to substitutes, and, and the the obvious suspect being you know, yeah. THC infused beverages. So, to me, this is a matter of when, not if. I think the the companies that are placing their bets early uh, that that'll pay off down the road. So, and I'm glad you mentioned the timing because I think this is this is a move by Constellation. And by the way, Constellation Brands their stock is up almost forty percent. They're doing all right. Then their yeah. sales are up thirteen percent. The latest just in quarter, 2017, yeah. this year they're doing great. Mm-hmm. They and this is a, even though it's ten percent and they've got the warrants to get up to twenty percent. This is a small investment for them, relatively small. Yeah, two hundred million. Yeah. And this is early because the quote from Rob Sands, the CEO, that made, that sort of raised an eyebrow for me was. Um, Talking about this move being in anticipation of nationwide legalization of marijuana in the United States, and and the quote that Sands gave was, "We think it's highly likely, given what's happened at the state level." And I think "highly likely" is one of those phrases that you need to apply a time frame for, mm-hmm. yeah. because I don't think it's highly likely as long as. Uh, yeah, I read that and I thought, is is Rob Sands familiar with a gentleman by the name of Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, <laughs> who happens to hold the title of yeah. Attorney General? They're of the a little United distracted States. right yeah, now, I mean, though. Like, I don't know. If like uh, Sessions this, is temporary. I mean, this yeah. this is something that's going to exist once he and in, in, is gone in that office. The political political tides ebb and flow, right? But this absolutely. Is something that... But but this is this is one of those things that I looked at. And I thought, okay, this isn't happening before twenty twenty one. I I would so imagine. so. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about an early investment, th- this is anyone who looks at this and thinks, oh, this could pay off in a couple of years. No, it might pay off in five years or ten years. Yeah. But, but in terms of nationwide legalization, I tend to look at more like a ten year timeline. I think it just is. It's as younger people. Age into the population and become mm-hmm. more a part of the of the decision making process. I, I think that's where this comes into play, and that that's of course going to take more time. I, I would look at it more as a ten year type of, of story, but you know that's that's the way we invest. So yeah, exactly. And the more polls you see, the more fa- more in favor of legalization you see in the United States. And I can't think of a better country as a proving ground for legalization countrywide than Canada for the United States. So if they have it legalized in the next year, broad distribution by 2019, 2020. Then you might see a blueprint for how the United States can go about it because um, you know so many similarities there in terms of the developed nature of the of the countries, rules and regulations, uh, provinces and states. So certainly some similarities there. Macy's shares are hitting an eight-year low this morning after the company got another downgrade. And Jason, we were talking about this earlier. The the fall from grace for Macy's over the last two years. Has been swift and terrible. Yeah, I mean this. This is a. You look right after the Great Recession, where the stock was trading around ten dollars or so a share, and from there through the middle of 2015, 
this was a retailer you wanted to own. I mean, this this was a company that was performing at a very high level. They were managing their footprint so well. And the last couple of years, they're it's a, it's probably a combination of things, but the result is a stock that's down more than seventy percent. Yeah, and I, so this is a story of a physical retailer that is in streamlining mode, right? I mean, I think we we sort of watched this long, slow, drawn out train wreck that is Sears play out, and that was kind of the first shot fired in in this changing retail environment all of a sudden we realize that really nobody is immune and it's not just amazon i mean let's look beyond amazon and just think about the internet the internet's changed the game for everything and and i think uh macy's is now i mean it's 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 a retailer that's trying to stream streamline and adapt in an, in an e-commerce world so with retailers you know it's focused on getting smaller and more efficient where retail is really already cutthroat to begin with and and so if you're going to invest in retail you really want to find growth stories um, unless you're into dirty value plays and then maybe there's something there uh, that's that's not my cup of tea um, I, I don't know I mean for me when you look a year ago and, and Macy's actually raised full year guidance because they had some some uh, optimistic uh, outlook there on the on the holiday quarter. Fast forward to today. Obviously, we've seen that's not worked out so well. The stock has been cut in half. Um, again, I mean, when you look at the numbers, I mean, sales per square foot in 2012, 173 dollars. Sales per square foot in 2017, 197 dollars. Well, hey, that's getting better. So something you know must be going right. Well, not so fast. I mean, understand why that number went up. I mean, sales numbers have gone down, but they've also eliminated the square footage at a faster mm-hmm. rate. So it's a smaller concept now than it was before. And and we kind of got to go back to that Ron Gross question, right? Does the world need Macy's? I'd argue at this point, no, it doesn't. I don't think Macy's is a concept that resonates with the younger generation the way it did with ours when we were growing up. And I don't think that Macy's garners the same type of customer loyalty. Uh, as as other concepts out there, whether it be Amazon or brands like Nike or Under Armour, I just Macy's is kind of stuck in the middle there. And um, I, again, if you're a dirty value play kind of person, I mean, maybe it's worth a look. For me, I see more headwinds than opportunities there, so I'll take a pass. The Thanksgiving Day Parade, though, I mean, if <laughs> yeah, I will miss that if if Macy's goes away. Well, it'll it'll they'll, they'll get another. Somebody sponsor, will buy right? the rights to yeah, that. Maybe, yeah. maybe, you never know. Amazon, I mean, it'll Amazon be the Amazon for... Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to say thanks to uh, everyone who emailed us and tweeted at us uh, with uh, their uh, comments on candy, the Love underrated, it. overrated. It was just fantastic. Uh, also in our Facebook group, which you can join. There's a if you're on Facebook, there's a Motley Fool podcast Facebook group, and I got to give a shout out to longtime listener Tobin Anthony, who uh, on Motley Fool Money over the weekend the uh, the interview was with uh, Joelle Glenn Brenner, uh, a woman who wrote a fascinating book about uh, the Hershey Company and Mars, and sort of the the. Competition between those two chocolate companies, but it really st- the the origin of her book was work that she had done twenty plus years ago at the Washington Post when she was wanted to do a profile of the Mars company and quickly found out that this is one of the most secretive companies in the United States of America. And uh, Tobin Anthony um, listened to the interview over the weekend, and uh, and I'll just read from uh, part of this post that he he put in our Facebook group, uh, but he was going to. Um, he, he was he was in McLean, Virginia, and uh, w- and uh, he said, uh, growing up in McLean, I had long heard 
I had long heard rumors that the Mars HQ building was somewhere near downtown McLean. I did a quick uh, Google at a stoplight and realized that the building was in a location uh, very close to my mother's condo, so near, in fact, that I had passed this nondescript three-story building literally hundreds and hundreds of times <laughs> without noticing it. There is not one stitch of signage on the building except for a street number. Nothing whatsoever to denote that one of the largest companies in America is headquartered there. Um, and he took a photo of uh, and posted it in the, in the Facebook group, and it's just, it looks like, and 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 here in Alexandria, I mean, there are so many associations that are here in Alexandria, so many nonprofit associations, trade associations, and that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> it's you know, it looks like it's the, the front red door to the yeah. association of insert name of boring industry, not you know one of the largest, um, most consumer-facing companies in America. But. Yeah, I mean, you go to Hershey and there's a friggin' amusement park. Right, like, right. I mean. Hershey's like, come take the tour, <laughs> yeah. tour our building, tour our campus, go to the park. You know, learn about Milton Hershey and everything about Mars. Says, please stay away. <laughs> I think Canopy's headquartered in an old Hershey factory in Ontario. Really? I think. It's a road trip and check that <laughs> That's out. That's right. All right, Taylor Markham and Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Cheers. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fool. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan doing double duty today. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.